start the question and answer right away here. Don't all rush to the podium at once. Finish your ice cream and brownie. They were delicious. Once again, thanks to Great Plate Catering. And thanks to Canood for paying the 14 bucks for my lunch because I told him I didn't want to be here today. If you have any questions about upcoming Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs sessions, you can find them on the website, www.sacpa.ca, or you can just listen to me read out the topic that I'm reading for the first time that says, is agricultural land at risk of dying from excessive chemical use? Ugh. Nothing but sunshine and roses at Sackpaw this year. The speaker is Michael Smith, a pioneer in the fields of computer software for physical simulation, which means he knows more about this than we do. Uh, it actually looks like it's going to be a pretty good discussion. Uh, I, I mean, we live in, in still an agricultural area, uh, and, and so I, I think informing ourselves about some of the concerns that are coming up for farmers and that already exist for farmers like we are today uh, is, is, you know, actually really good topics. Look at this, we've already got a line up. Okay, so I will moderate the question and answer, but I don't want to ask a question, and I don't want to have to tell anyone to stay on topic. So, just to remind you, the topic is, is the sun setting on Alberta's conventional oil and gas producers. Orphan wells, wells that are not labeled as orphan wells, but are still going to be a problem. Urban and rural wells, it's not just the one you see out in the middle of the field, there are a lot of urban wells. You ever drive through Medicine Hat, you see them all the time. Um, Keep your comments short and topical. We don't need your entire bio, but please do state your name because once again, we are recording this, and if you start to veer off topic, well, we'd like people to know who you are. I am going to step up and clear my throat loudly at about 1.30 p.m. and say one question left. So without further ado, here are Reagan and Mr. Doran. My name is Klaus Jericho. I've been living in Alberta since 1969, and today I learned that we have thousands of wells, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, thousands of wells, which need cleaning up. What does that mean? In Alberta, we have somewhere between 450 and 650,000 oil and gas wells. So a well is a it's a hole in the ground, it's a conduit. It could be vertical or directional that goes from surface to some reservoir underground that contains minerals. So there's really, your, your question to answer it properly has two, two answers really. The first step is to what we call abandon the well, which does not mean a walk away from it or the company leaves it for the citizen. Abandonment has a meaning in oil and gas industry. So it essentially means that you go into the well, you put a plug in the well bore, more often than not, it's filled up with some uh, non-corrosive fluid, water with uh, inhibitor in it or diesel fuel or something like that. And then it's cut off at surface, below surface, and vented to atmosphere. So there's channels to surface potentially. Uh, you're relying really on cement, which is not concrete, it's cement. Some operators do pour their well bores full of concrete. So, so that's the first step to render the, the well itself safe. And then the second step is to test and see if there's any contamination related to the site. And the site's usually a portion of someone's titled parcel. That would be the roadway in, 
any gravel they put there? Is there any contamination? So the first step would be to remediate it back so there's no contamination and then replace, all, take all the gravel out, et cetera, if it's uh, particular, if it's farmland and replace the soil back to a condition near to what they found it in, which has regulated standards. Uh, the big problem we have right now, and then you have to get a reclamation certificate, which is a certif certificate from the government that that's all been done according to some regulated standards. The big problem we have now is that we know quite well that now you just get your reclamation certificate from the one-stop computer that I showed. Uh, there's an auditing system. Maybe 10% of those are looked at later. And we know quite well that uh, when those reclamation, when those sites that don't pass the audit come up, they're just left. So, so it's really getting rid of the well safely and then cleaning up the land and returning it to its original capacity. So does that answer your question? My name is Mike McCaig, and uh, you've just answered my question, so I'm gonna, I thought up another one. Can you give us a comment a little bit about what this uh, $100 million is going to do? Because I know when we all write to our members of parliament or to the government and complain, they're going to come back and say we're spending $100 million to fix these wells. So what Kenny announced a few days ago is that we're lending the Orphan Well Association another $100 million. Um, the orphan, for the last couple years, Orphan Well has been operating on a $235 million public loan. And so that's allowed them to do an enormous m amount more cleanup in the last couple of years. But that money's running out this year. And so they have been spending $100 million a year, uh, but after next year, they're gonna go back to cleaning up less than they did before the, the last big loan. Uh, and because the government lacks any ideas about how to solve this problem, uh, they simply threw another 100, so they're gonna have another 100 million to work next year when they would have run out of money so they can at least keep up the pace. I know it's a big number, uh, but it's only going to cost taxpayers $13 million. Uh, we only have to cover the interest charges. Uh, lending it to them over 10 years is a silly idea. They might not be around in 10 years. That's too long. Uh, but if it gets $100 million worth of cleanup done next year, that's a positive thing. Every dollar spent on cleanup can't be put in their pockets to walk away with later. Uh, and so <coughs> it's a way we're, we're using $13 million of public money and we're leveraging it into forcing industry to spend $100 million. And uh, it's still a drop in the bucket when it comes to the scale of this problem. We need, we could have a dozen orphan well associations all spending $100 million a year uh, working on this. And so it's gonna keep some people back to work, uh, but it's a very short term and uh, we're gonna need a lot more than that going forward. So uh, this slide we showed, uh, you know, I took this slide from Orphan Well Association presentation three weeks ago before the loan was announced, and I adjusted that bottom red line to say look here. It's not here. So that's the uh, that's the adjusted line of work with the hundred million dollar loan, more or less. So it's still going to taper off from what we've been doing. Meanwhile, we've got a ballooning number of orphans going into the program. So the hundred million dollar loan is. Uh, but it's really important to note that the regulator is supposed to, the shortfall shown in blue, the regulator must by law have remaining industry. It's called a levy, and it has to be done by law under Part 11 of the Oil and Gas Conservation Act. These amounts are supposed to be covered by law. The, a, the regulator must charge remaining industry enough money to clean up those orphans within a reasonable period of time, not kick the can down their own. The shortfall is illegal.
It's, it's that simple. Hi, my name is Eric Marshall. I used to work in seismic data processing and digital well logs. Then I switched over to uh, wind farms about 25 years ago. So um, there's apparently a fairly large potential to convert uh, some of these wells to geothermal production. Any well that has more higher than 90 degrees C potential using something called a Rankin cycle turbine that's made by Pratt & Whitney right here in Lethbridge, actually, we have an office. So um, I think it's about 10% of all wells, maybe even more, have that potential, deeper wells. Have you looked into that at all? I have a, a vague sense of, of the potential of it. Uh, there's work being done at the U of A evaluating the, the number of sites. And I have, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of the idea because the industry would be happy to find someone to pass the site along to. Uh, I don't want them to pass along the liability to a green energy company. I want them to clean up their mess. And if it's a good site uh, for solar or geothermal, that's wonderful. But it shouldn't be a mechanism for industry to pass it along to someone else. And so uh, I'm, we're in complete support of putting solar and geothermal in the sites where it makes sense, uh, but not as a, it's, and it's part of, part of the answer. Uh, there's some sites are great for solar, some will work for geothermal. Uh, but it's a small number. I think we should take advantage of every every one of those sites we can. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it's it'll be chipping around at, at the edges from the, the bigger problem. My name is Vern Breton. I run greenhouses. Um, geothermal's great uh, if you have a use for it. And so m so many of these wells are scattered all over the province that there's no economical use for it. And you're not gonna find too many crazy people who are gonna run greenhouses. <laughs> I'd like to add to that topic that, you know, I have a lot of, I, I own urban lands that are impacted by oil and gas and I have lots of urban landowner clients throughout the province. And it makes more sense from a public safety standpoint to monitor, these wells will, the plugs I talked about, they'll all leak. They may last 25 to 100 years. These wells will have to be, this 650,000 well problem, they all have to be done every 100 years or less. This is not once. This is a recurring problem for the rest of time. That's how big this problem is. So I think geothermal in urban areas, um, <coughs> populated areas, is a way to monitor the well if it's going to leak gas as well, rather than cutting it off and ignoring it. Yeah, I was specifically talking about geo, uh, geothermal <laughs> electricity production, not not heat, not using heat for heating, producing electricity. So all these wells already have power lines going into them; they could produce electricity and feed it into the grid. Uh, hi, my name is Pat Chizik. I got two questions. I think one can be very quick. What is the average cost per well for cleanup right now? And second one is if the traditional drilling method of going straight down for oil is on the decline. Are we going to see eventually, within 50 years, that we will not be doing the traditional drilling of oil anymore in this province? How much? How much it costs? I spent a lot of time uh, working on, the, on how much it costs to clean up a well in Alberta. And I have an enormous amount of data that I got through Freedom of Information from internally. So I had the regulators study this very closely, commissioned private sector service companies to submit hundreds of different 
proposals, estimates for cleaning up hundreds of different types of wells and um, bringing that all together. It costs somewhere in over $200,000 to plug a well and to clean it up according to the regulator's internal estimate. What they say publicly is about 80000 and the Orphan Well Association, which is entirely controlled by industry and is playing a nefarious role, trying to give people the impression it's way cheaper than that, that even that's too high, the 80000 They say, oh, we're doing stuff really cheap. Uh, but the reality is the average of my weighted average of the exact conditions in every single well site in Alberta, the average comes out to about 230000 uh, for the for an average, uh, and so you can multiply that many times, and so that gives you a sense if you're getting a couple thousand dollars a year as annual compensation as a landowner is nice, but if you're talking, see my family farm up north, we have six wells and and uh, some pipelines on it, has paid for all of our kids' public edu university education, but if they don't clean it up, that's millions of dollars in cleanup, and we'll never be able to sell the farm, and so um, <coughs> that's that's the other side of the coin that uh, if they don't clean it up, it'll be left with us. Uh, first of all, Maria Fitzpatrick, and thank you for your presentation. My blood pressure went up, and the people at the table told me, uh, don't let it go up because I'd have to mortgage my house to go to a private clinic to get it fixed. <laughs> 233 million walked away with Encana. 54 million walked away with uh, husky, and uh, we're continuing to see that um, uh, $4.7 billion in tax cuts uh, go into oil companies when they have this kind of a liability. Uh, if I don't pay my mortgage, eventually the bank takes my house. Why aren't we taking those resources back from those companies instead of giving them money? Because as you said, we could be hiring all of those riggers that used to have jobs to do the cleanup. I am furious that this money is still walking out of our province. Thank you. So the, the best illustration of this is, is property taxes. Rural municipalities are out hundreds of millions of dollars in property taxes, so why aren't they collecting? They're asking for legislation to be changed, and they're getting away with it because they don't have the power. Uh, they can come take your house after a couple years, but the reason they don't go take the oil well is because they're garbage. As long as, as long as money's coming out of the ground, with some accounting, you can kind of ignore the eventual cleanup and just keep putting the money in your pocket. But if the game is over and you're looking at it seriously, that well is a, has a negative value of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so there's nothing of value to seize. This, the town could take in and have that well site. Now they're the proud owner of something worth negative hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so once it's the same problem. We wait till they're broke and gone to start looking for money uh, to solve the problems. And uh, the way to get around that is to start going after the companies that are still existing, still have money, and they need to start spending some of that on cleanup. We just wait till everyone's broke and then look around in circles for money uh, when there isn't any to find. Ken Sears, you sort of answered a bit of the question I have because I'm, I want to go into politics on this. And you were talking about the uh, the municip municipalities and their the bind therein with tax revenue. But the other question I have is with landowners, surface rights owners, all the people who actually whose land actually has abandoned wells or producing wells on them. And we all know that there is now beginning to be talk of 
landowners going in, closing off wells unilaterally, fencing them, denying access. Uh, you, both of you are far more in touch with the landowners, far more in touch with the people in these situations than I am at the moment. Uh, what is your feeling? Is this going to happen? Is this going to get legs? Are we going to see wells shut down? And the second question for this, and this is really, I'm not going to hold you to it, because who the hell knows what this government's going to do. If that happens, could you foresee the provincial government invoking Bill 1 against landowners? The first part of that question, you know, will landowners um, start to engage in civil disobedience? Uh, first of all, if the oil company is not paying you a rate of annual compensation, sorry, uh, if the oil company is not paying you a rate of annual compensation, you can give a default notice. The same with taxes. And at that point, the landowner, if they don't cure that default, they're trespassing. Uh, so they've lost their right to be on the surface they've lost their surface right at that point as confirmed by the supreme court of canada in the famous redwater decision at paragraph 17 the well or facility must be abandoned by law this is a way to trigger i assure you there's trespassers all over the province this is a way to trigger each landowner can trigger abandonment of these facilities on their land and that's how you can get this uh, force the polluter to pay prior to their going bankrupt, and that's how you can generate jobs in this province. There's only one problem. The Alberta Energy Regulator will not accept our applications for forced well abandonments as required by law, as confirmed by the Supreme Court of Canada. We have a law-breaking regulator, and until we solve that problem, there's not much we're going to be able to do about it. Once we reform that regulator, there's lots we can do about it. We can clean up these wells. We can... Uh, landowners can go to court. Trespass is a very simple tort. Most landowners in Alberta are entitled to massive amounts of retroactive compensation and aren't even aware of it. There's things landowners can do. They're the only one with rights. It's landowner power. And, and until landowners band together, learn what the law is, and act within the law, this problem will just continue to get worse. Does that answer your question? Bill 1? Uh, you know, Bill 1 is a different sort of thing. In my view, Bill 1 it deals with railroad tracks and that sort of thing that are in federal jurisdiction. It's um, okay, secondly, yeah. you actually, no, uh, you, you, you didn't ask the question, because what I'm what I, the question I'm asking is predicated upon the fact that, what you as you just explained, all of the rights that are supposed to accrue to the landowner are being ignored or being flouted. Is the feeling out there in in rural Alberta, that it is, you know, that will be time for people to take it into their own hands. I'm afraid of that. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, there's probably only one service owner that wasn't being paid. My family and I. We, we, we you know, I, I warned Albertans for 15 years. What happens? Don't take. Don't be naive. Don't take this compensation that you know naively take for granted. It, it, it's not guaranteed. And now we've, I, who knows how many landowners aren't being paid now. It's growing rapidly. And so I guess there's 10 or 15,000. They are mad. Some of them, I have different clients. Some of them want to lock gates. Some of them are talking about bringing out their guns. Others are talking about shutting in valves. I'd say for the most part, they're, they probably won't take 
those kinds of actions, but I, I can't predict that. Waste time, but Bill 1, actually, if you read Bill 1, it is worded in such a way that anyone who interferes with a, uh, anybody have the words for that? Basically, inter interferes with um, commercial activity in, in not just in railroads, anywhere in that province. If you read that, that is extre it's badly written, but it's extremely wide, and I think it would apply. Well, uh, you know, the, the licensing laws already apply. It's, it's for a landowner who's untrained or to, to, to touch someone else as well is not allowed now. So uh, it, it would, you know, you'd have to break some laws to do it. The best thing to do, one of the things we want to do in Polluter Play Federation is we can have uh, uh, peace officers. Anyone can start a peace officer group. We need a landowner regulatory body that acts fairly, that will actually have the power to go out and shut in unsafe operations. There's unsafe operations all over this province. Tanks by the Alberta Energy Regulator's own numbers, 96% of the oil and gas tanks in this province are regulatory non-compliant and unsafe. 96%. It's incredible. We have the worst methane air quality in the world in the Red Deer and Grand Prairie areas and the highest incidence of Parkinson's disease and ALS and MS that are directly tied to hydrocarbon poisoning now. We're literally dying from leaking abandoned wells and leaky operations in this province. Gas venting's been illegal since 1971. We've got pipelines all over this province, the biggest network in the world. All this can be tied in quickly, easily, and cheaply, and we'll all be healthy again. But we're just, we just don't have the political will, and we don't know what our laws are. We have very complex energy laws, so we're going we're gonna to try to teach the people of Alberta what our fantastic laws are and what rights we have that the regulator and the government are ignoring, contrary to the Constitution, I might add. We've got 10 minutes left, if we can keep it to one question. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious whether there's a difference in the hazard and the cost of cleanup between oil and gas wells, but I actually wanted to ask about the impact of the Redwater decision, which appeared to uh, require companies to pay environmental costs before creditors are paid if they get into trouble. But I've also heard um, you know, speculation that this might, in fact, uh, cause more companies to walk away from their liabilities because it makes it more difficult for them to get the financing they need to keep going in difficult times. Whether that was their actual business plan was to walk away or whether they are actually trying to have a going concern business. I wonder if you have some thoughts. I was, I was quite involved with the Redwater case and um, helped landowners here in Alberta intervene at the Supreme Court on it. Uh, it was a, a wonderful ruling. It reaffirmed what the courts in Alberta said in 1991, that cleanup comes first, even before banks. Uh, but the problem we've had for 30 years is it's not enforced. <coughs> and so the Redwater decision was wonderful, and it has meant absolutely nothing. Nothing has changed. The banks carry on as they did before. It's tough to borrow money. They, they're not making any profits. Uh, but only 14 companies went bankrupt in Alberta. 14 oil and gas companies went bankrupt since Redwater. I was expecting hundreds. I was also expecting the Supreme Court to carry some weight around here. But we're the same problem. We've had those powers for 30 years, since 1991. We can make them clean up whatever we want. We tell them to clean it up, comes before the banks. <clears throat> but a company goes broke now, the regulator has to send a letter saying you must do this. They don't sell that, send those letters. 
company goes broke, we let the banks sell everything off like they did the day before Redwater. <coughs> so it's a wonderful reaffirmation of our rights, but the problem remains, the sheriff won't take his gun out of his holster, uh, hasn't done it for 30 years, uh, and isn't doing it even after the Supreme Court. So uh, unfortunately, uh, <coughs> things haven't changed. <laughs> uh, Trevor Page, first, thank you for the work that you're doing on this really serious issue. I remember hearing Regan from you 10 years ago in Canmore uh, telling us about the problems, and I was really alarmed then. Um, with the price of oil declining and the environmental lobby growing stronger, what happens if these companies just decide to walk away? I mean, what happens? What is the effect on the environment? In retirement, I'm a photographer, and I travel around this part of the world, and I stop and look and photograph oil wells, some of them still pumping away and some of them not doing so. But if the oil companies just say, well, sorry, no longer profitable, we're walking away, what is the effect on the environment going to be? I've seen the effect of oil spills and, and no attention to clean up in other parts of the world, particularly in the former Soviet Union, Azerbaijan in particular, and then also in Nigeria. But I don't see what the effect is going to be like that over here. Could you paint a picture on that? Particularly below ground, what is the effect on the soil? What's My question is the effect on the environment, which I did mention before, Mary. Yeah. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, every single oil and gas well in Alberta will leak eventually. It's just steel and concrete. They're breaking down every day. Lots of it has been there already for decades. It's going to be there forever after, and it all decays. <coughs> it, all has to, it all has to be cleaned up. Every one of these wells can leak into the water, leak into the soil. The methane can leak into the atmosphere, the most potent driver of uh, climate change. That's why cleaning up these old wells is one of the best things Alberta could do for climate change. We have an enormous amount of methane being leaked and vented by these old wells. Uh, that could be eliminated by cleaning them up. It's a win-win. Uh, <coughs> they will all leap and rot. <coughs> the, the effect on agriculture would be this. This infrastructure there isn't. There's scarcely a landowner in Alberta that doesn't have this infrastructure on their land. It's an absolutely everywhere, and that's where the problems will be. Absolutely everywhere, uh, and it's <coughs> and it also has to be monitored for eternity. For which we don't do, there's no funding for, and so it's a. Uh, okay, so my name is Mark Gettle. I'm just wondering if you could give us a little bit of a worst case scenario. Let's say, I guess hydrogen sulfide is one of the very toxic gases that can come out. Let's have a worst case scenario. In the middle of Medicine Hat at midnight, one of these uh, wells starts emitting lots and lots of hydrogen sulfide. Would that mean mass evacuation, death of people, or? Could you give us a worst-case scenario of, of what can happen in one of these orphan wells? Yeah, I can give a little bit more specific case. There's a, a horrible company that, called Lexin. They 
<clears throat> owned a whole bunch of sour gas stuff all around the outskirts of Calgary, including wells 800 meters from the new hospital that had sour blowout uh, a few years ago. Uh, and so they were a fly-by-night company in charge of a sour gas plant, all these sour wells. <clears throat> they laid everybody off, were shipping all their money overseas to an offshore bank, uh, weren't monitoring anything. There was whistleblowers in the engineering community that their sour pipelines around the outside of Calgary weren't being monitored, they weren't putting anti-corrosive into it. It's incredibly dangerous and mind-boggling. The regulator uh, interacted with Lexin 280 times saying, please clean up that, please do this, please do that. They ignored them, stopped paying landowners for two years, stopped paying royalties for two years, sending all the money offshore, and then finally just walked away. Uh, and <coughs> it's 30% of everything in Alberta is sour. It's mind-bogglingly dangerous uh, to have these sites without proper supervision, without proper safety care, like Lexon was doing. Lexon showed Alberta what you can get away with and the sort of risks that we face and uh, our toothless sheriff. Uh, and so there is, it's a miracle we haven't, and I wouldn't want anything terrible to happen, but we're, we're, we're playing with fire if we think we can just keep ignoring all this stuff forever. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you very much. You talked about the group that's going to be launched shortly of landowners and municipalities and so on. And you talked about the funding, how that would come as um, an add-on tax onto oil and gas. With the toothless sheriff in, in, uh, in power and uh, our government under the power of oil and gas, how do you expect that um, you would get that money when none of the other things that you've talked about have happened? Talk about? The simple answer is it's a different sheriff. Uh, and the Alberta Energy Regulator, it's almost impossible to take them to court if they do something illegal, the, their law provides against it, but, but the, the Surface Rights Board can award compensation to landowners. They're a little overloaded, takes a few years to get there, but we already have these precedents set, so, and if the Surface Rights Board won't do it, we can appeal that to the court. And so it's an expropriation principle. When someone effectively expropriates your rights, you're entitled to all your costs, including cost of membership to learn what your compensation rights are. So there's, without question, uh, we have, you know, case law that these amounts can be recovered. And it's a different sheriff. The Alberta Energy Regulator is the safety sheriff, if you will, but not the compensation sheriff. Thank you very much for your presentation today. A few weeks ago in the newspaper, Tim McMillan stated that um, uh, the municipal tax structure needed to be reevaluated and was hoping that the government, current government, would be taking steps to have it restructured uh, so that they don't have to pay taxes. Are you, can you comment on that? Do you know where that is at or? Yeah, so it's a, it's a long time complaint, taxes, the industry whining about taxes. The reason they whine is because these wells are in severe decline. They can't even afford to pay their taxes anymore. So they want their tax bill. They don't want to clean up the well. They want to keep it spitting fumes, but they can't afford to pay the taxes, so they want their taxes lowered. And they've been agitating for it for many, many years. It was, about to, it was supposed to be implemented. This year, it's a long, pro complicated process, and it was about to be instigated. They were gonna, we have this massive problem of unpaid taxes. Kenny's solution is lower your taxes. Uh, that'll, that'll take a bunch off the bill. Uh, but because rural municipalities 
made such a stink that they surveyed all their members. They came up with $173 million in unpaid taxes. The stink that they created in January, the embarrassment, the, f the fires that they lit all over the province, forced the government to stop that. Uh, and the government had to concede that, okay, next year. We're not going to lower property taxes for the oil patch this year. We'll do it next year. It's too hot for them to get away with it these days. Uh, and that's a hint towards Kenny. And he, he, t he talks big, but he's still a politician. He still has to operate in the real world. If there's enough pressure, uh, action to be taken. The Rural, the rural Municipalities Association has, has been successful. Uh, both of their press releases around this unpaid taxes, have they've gotten big concessions out of the government. And so they do want to lower those taxes and shift more of the burden onto the rest of us. Uh, but the root of the problem is these wells need to be cleaned up. They can't pay their taxes. They've got no business being around, and they should be cleaned up. But uh, it's still looming, and it's uh, still uh, we'll be, they'll be fighting the same battle next year. So they, we need to take the initiative and push back further. Otherwise, we're just delaying uh, the, the worst policies to come.